This episode is brought to you by Dream Symbols. Launched in 2005, Dream Symbols is the partnership of passionate Canadian instrument designers and generations of Chinese gong smiths. So try one out at your local dealer. I think you're going to dig it. The prices are great. They've got some cool stuff that sounds funky, trashy, also some stuff that's clean. Uh, also, follow them on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, show them some Modern Drummer Podcast love, and let's get to the show. What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode 156 of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. My name is Mike Johnston from Mike'sLessons.com, and my co-host, who will be joining me shortly, is Mr. Mike Dawson, Managing Editor of Modern Drummer Magazine. This week, we've got a ton of stuff to talk about. We're going to get all caught up, and then we're going to talk about our pre-gig routines. Our featured artist this time is Bruno Mars's Eric Hernandez. In our gear review section, we'll be checking out a gorgeous kit from Sugar Percussion. We'll get to a bunch of your listener questions. We'll give you our picks of the week and some frustrating updates about the key of destiny let's get started <sighs> okay before is- we forget about it how about that <laughs> intro group <laughs> yes yes that's so funny i was gonna cut you off to be like we need to talk about that that was killer giving us some bonham vibe i love it brandon, who was that that's brandon faulkner so he sent over what was he playing he's got a ludwig classic maple kit with a 24 inch bass drum 13 16 18 inch toms tuned kind of high like bottom it's pretty darn close to bottom's setup yeah. he's got a uh, vintage coated emperors on the top coated ambassadors on the bottom coated power stroke three bass drum batter no port nothing in the kick except a small remote towel muffle on the batter now isn't that a contradiction nothing in the kick except i have something yes. inside the kick except <laughs> for this thing that i have in the kick Call anyway the, the drum sounds great you said he recorded it at his home studio using a D112 and Solomon sub kick on the bass drum. Uh, what else has he got? Advanced audio CM47 FET in the Glenn Johns position for the overheads. Ooh. I don't know those mics. I want to check them out. Uh, Blues Baby Bottle, which is his yeah. mono room mic. Uh, Sennheiser E609 under the ride and an MXL R80 in the stairway. Lots of cool mics, good sound. Great groove. Nice right foot, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I have an audio question for you. Sure. Every time I go into a studio, they say, yeah, we're using FETs or FETs on this or on that. What is an FET or a FET mic? Oh, you're asking me that. I don't know. It has something to do with the circuitry. Okay. Okay. You don't Um, have to look it up. It's like not a tube mic. It's a... a Got it. But it is a... a So it's not a brand. It's a thing inside of a microphone. Yeah. So multiple it's, brands could have FETs or FETs. Yes. I know someone's going to call me out, but I think it's it's not a tube mic. It's the okay. opposite. It's more. Yeah, I mean, I, I really just always hear engineers throw it around like, oh, I just used a, you know, a FET on your kick, but they don't. And I'm like, ah, is that a brand? I don't know what's happening here. So, <laughs> you know, let's but Google. because of let's my pride. Siri, what is yeah. a FET microphone? <laughs> Anyone listening with an engineering degree is like, you are an idiot. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's an electret condenser microphone. Okay. Has a electret uh, preamp circuit. Okay. Which, yeah, that yeah, makes so sense. So it's, it's not a tube. It uses a, uh, whatever you call this, whatever, an electret, not electric, electret capsule. <laughs> mm. 
I figured it was probably electric since you over enunciated it four times in a row. <laughs> well, anyways, let's Brandon get Faulkner. this show started. Thank you, Brandon. <laughs> Goodness gracious, that was awesome. We are uh, we are running out of intro and outro beats, so please send them over mdinfo at modernjumber.com. If you can send it as a downloadable link, that would be preferred. Sometimes the attachment doesn't come through. Either way, try to put your name in the audio file so I don't uh, lose track of who you are. Love it. Okay, before we start getting into our pre-gig routines, question for you. Yes, sir. So, uh, I think this happens pretty much every time I come home from Ireland because I get a chance to play other professional drummers' drum kits in a studio for an, an entire week. And this time, obviously, we added Keith Carlock's kit, which is throwing a whole new wrench into the system. So, I've got Mark playing his bop kit mm-hmm. and and th- these are all gretsch kits uh mark had a brooklyn i had a brooklyn obviously ash Stone tunes his 10 inch tom lower than mark <laughs> tunes his kick right <laughs> um so and then so uh and he had a broadcaster and then keith has his own thing that's like this large six-piece kit 10 12 14 16 but the the top heads are almost jazz tuned i mean it's crazy how tight his top heads are Uh but he gets this thunderous sound because it's all single plies and the bottom heads are pretty loose so when i get home from those camps usually i i kind of reevaluate my sound i reevaluate some some positioning stuff and i just i try my best to be open-minded to be like i wonder if i change this or do i have the best sound i could get so my question for you is this. As I'm going through this, I'm very happy with my snare right now. We also need to talk about a prototype that Gretsch is in the middle of making right now. Hey, it's going to chill. It's going to change the game. Um, but so on my toms, my question to you is this. I, I am going to muffle them the mm-hmm. tiniest bit always. I have coated single ply heads, top and bottom. Do you find a difference between gels and gaff tape? And the reason I ask is I feel like no matter how small of a gel I use, it's it's always giving me a thuddiness. But with the gaff tape, it seems like I get more attack and clarity, but I still I still am able to take out some of those overtones I'm trying to kill. Yeah, it's a good question. I think I tend to use gaff tape because I do think it sounds better. Uh, so maybe I think maybe just the mass of the gel is different. Something about it. I feel like for me, gels. I mean, but at the same time, I use whatever I have at my disposal. But of course, um, gels. I feel like don't do what I want it to do. Gaff with gaff tape. When I muffle a drum, I want it to warm it up. That's kind of what I'm trying to do. Okay. I'm not usually trying to keep it from resonating. I feel like I can use tuning to kind of control the resonance. Okay. I usually muffle a drum to make it darker sounding. Fatter oh, okay. or beefier sounding or sure. something. And for me, gels are more of a dampener for the overtone. Like it it's more right. of a tone control rather than a timbre control. Right. Okay. That's completely psychological, but that's what I think. If I put a gel on the drum, it's ringing too long. If I grab the roll of tape, I'm trying to modify the tone. I got gotcha. you. Okay. That, yeah, I, I think, I'm sure there's zero science to that. That's just no, 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 no. I, I, <laughs> I feel like it's 100% psychological as well. I have a thing in my head of of leftover from the 80s and 90s. There were no gels. So in my head, you know, professional drummers have little little scrunchies of gaff tape, you know, yeah, on their right. toms and, and uh, 
there's that vibe and then that's like oh that's how the pros do it and then the gels i i don't mind the gels on my snare at all i actually really enjoy them because they do exactly that they they kill the overtones mm-hmm. and i'm like cool done one gel i'm fine with that but on my toms i feel like um yeah i feel like it's just it's it's not making it the the exact sound i want what and i'm trying, trying it's not do? a uh, I, I think I, I, I want to um, keep the the clarity. I want to keep the clarity. I don't want it to get muddy sounding. And okay, so you don't want to darken it. You're trying to. You're not trying to darken it. Correct. And I kind of feel like you know in, I, I have internal dampeners on my broadcaster, and that if you just even barely graze the head, I mean yeah. it's toast. It's like, yeah. Boom. <laughs> um, to- once again, totally cool with that on a snare, not on my toms. Um, and, um, you know, and I, and I, the, the one thing that has been working lately is if I have a brand new gel, it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't matter if it's Vader buzzkill or drum dots or whatever, if it's brand new and super tacky, no gels on the top, but using a gel on the bottom mm-hmm. seems to really shut down the resonance and still give me the clarity. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I was just, I was just curious because I, the reason I'm asking is I ran out of gaff tape and I, when I came home, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do some A-B testing with my microphones with gaff tape versus gels. And then I was like, oh, I don't have any gaff tape. So I ordered some on Amazon. It's not here yet. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to ask Dawson about this. So maybe yeah. we'll do maybe we'll do a little A-B test. I don't know if it's something that you'll be able to really hear. I think it's more, okay. of, a, a, more of a feel thing. But mm-hmm. that said, gaffer's tape, yeah. I mean, gaffer's tape, I think you have more control because you can really get a tiny little amount yeah. And also, yeah. because you're using, for me, I've found this when I use single ply coated top and bottom. No matter how I tune the drum, there's going to be a certain amount of like distortion in the tone, mm. and that's usually what I feel like I want to dial out with 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 dampening. So I that gotcha. usually just means like a tiny little bit, like a like a dime sized piece of gaff tape usually does it right. for me. I've been actually I was cutting some of my gels in half with scissors because mm. I was like I, I just want less I want less so <laughs> I think you know maybe going from nothing up to a full blown gel gaff tape lives in the middle somewhere and and it's just a little less mass on the drum as well but I'll, uh, I'll do some A-B testing when I get my roll of gaff here and we'll see what's going on Wait. now let's talk pre-gig routines so yep break it down for us brother well, since this new issue that just came out, hopefully some of you have seen it. It's the one uh, with Eric Hernandez on the cover. It's kind of all dedicated to live drumming, but we I don't think we really addressed the idea of what do you do before you hit the stage. So I wrote my editorial on my current pre-gig routine, which has become so OCD. <laughs> really? Yeah. And I'm in, in general in life, that's I'm not OCD, but... For, for the past year, it's been like, okay, if I do this routine, I'm ready to play the gig. If I don't do this routine, something's going to be wacky. It's just become that. Uh, right. So right now, I go through a very systematic thing. Um, but it's changed. So I guess maybe before I dig too deep into my routine, let's just kind of go back and forth. Like, do you have yeah. a routine? Has it evolved? Is it consistent? Do you, do you feel like it you has. have to do a certain routine? Or is it if you can... You know, what's your approach? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Now, I will say this. I'm not at a point – obviously, my gigs now are clinics and drum festivals. Those are my main gigs. Mm-hmm. And I'm not at a point where I'm sending out a writer saying, I have to have this in the dressing room. I need to be left alone for 15 minutes or whatever. It's not anything quite that crazy. 
but there's definitely a routine. And, and the first thing I'll ask when I show up to a drum clinic or a drum festival is, do you guys have any sort of green room, warm up room? Do you have any place that I can be alone to, to prepare for this? Um, and I try to be as cordial as possible with all that stuff. Uh, but when I was touring, my pre-show warm-up was so much more based on physically getting my body ready to do this 45-minute cardio blast that I was about to do. Yeah. So drumming was really not that much on my mind at the time because I was playing rock songs that weren't that challenging. I knew how to play the songs. Mm-hmm. What was challenging was keeping the energy level up for a full 45 minutes in front of 10,000 people and bringing you know, full-blown showmanship the whole time. Not to mention my band was so small – that though, for those 10,000 people, they weren't our fans. We were trying to win them over. They were the headlining band's fans. Right, yeah. So we had to bring more heat than the headliner just to hopefully get five or 600 of those fans to you know follow us. So that was a whole different thing. Now it's definitely turned into a thing where it's, it's, uh, I'm noticing, especially in clinics, that warming up is a real thing. Um, I play better when I'm legitimately loose and mm-hmm. meaning that I've probably been on the pad for about 15 to 20 minutes minimum. Um, and then, uh, I will say this, it's not, I'm not back there doing marching core chops at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, a l- I think what's changed a lot is that I'm realizing it's really rare that my body lets me down in a clinic and it's really common that my mind lets me down in a clinic. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not focused. Yeah. Does that make sense? That's exactly what my entire routine is is it's pretending to be a technical warm up and it's actually a mental warm up. 100%. Yes. Like it, yeah. I'm I'm doing whatever I can do to challenge myself to be focused, to kind of dial out the noise that the stress of the situation and can I accomplish these exercises which demand a lot of focus. Um, right. And that that to me, but at the same time, I'm I'm also playing a lot of accents and roles and stuff to get it all kind of get my hands loose. But I think yeah. I know I've I've played enough drums and my hands have kind of know how to do the work that I don't need the physical warm up for most of my gigs. It's definitely the right. mental side of it. But that do you said, think my hands definitely oh, flow you know much more smoothly if I get a good fifteen twenty minutes to warm up. Yeah, I think there's we. I think we all know what it's like when you hit a drum for the first time with no warm up whatsoever, and it's it, everything's a shock to the system. Like the impact is just kind of jarring, and the sticks feel a little foreign in your hands. I don't ever want to get on the stage like that. So, yeah. you know, I'm backstage, definitely playing, and like you said, there are some chops involved, but it's not to see how much I can stress out my forearms before I go on stage. That's not what's happening. It's how loose can I get? There's definitely some preacher stretches involved. I'm trying to stretch things out. Uh, the one thing I will do though, and I talked to you about this, um, about your pace at clinic is I definitely do a little bit of stuff that'll get my heart racing, like some jumping jacks or, you know, I'll do like double unders with no jump rope, just jumping and spinning my wrist twice in a row. And the reason I'm trying to do that is I don't want the adrenaline and the excitement of my first track on stage, which may not tax me physically. I don't want the excitement and the adrenaline to take over. And then I grab the microphone and I'm huffing and puffing because I didn't get my heart rate up first. So that is definitely something I think about. And I talked to Ash about that, too. I said, man, because he's had you know problems in the past since he doesn't get a chance to do a lot of clinics because he's in the studio all the time. He's like, man, I'm, I'm really quite like out of breath at the end of 
you know, my first song and I grabbed the microphone and I can barely talk. And I said, man, I'm telling you, like right around when you've got 45 seconds left in that song, start taking deep, deep breaths Hmm. in through your nose, out through your mouth. Be prepared. You're about to hit a crash cymbal and grab a microphone. And you are (laughs) going to sound like a fool if you don't prepare yourself for that. And those are things that unless you're doing clinics all the time, how would you know? Like. Yeah, you don't you do that really at Abbey Road, yeah. where he's at right now, by the way. <laughs> Stud. Did you see any of his pictures from Abbey Road? Yeah, I kind of swipe <gasps> past him really fast because it just annoys me. <laughs> oh, unreal. Then he posts a picture of Ringo recording there. He's like, oh, I wish they'd move my kid over to the left uh, a little, yeah. right where he was. Uh, it's amazing. Um, but anyway, so, so yeah, so that, as far as my pre-show warm-up, there is a mental warm-up. My exercises are mentally challenging enough, just like you, to get my mind focused. Then there's a bit of a cardio warm-up just to make sure that the blood is rushed through my body and my my lungs are ready to go. Uh, and then the only thing that's really changed in the last few years is the music I listen to going on stage has gone from pump-me-up music to mellow-me-out music. It's, mm. I, find that I find any music that just gives me absolute chills. Now, it could be rock it doesn't have to you know it's not like it's always trip hop or something but it's something that reminds me of how amazing music is and makes me like 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 i said gives me chills and makes me feel a certain way and all of a sudden my emotions are as high as my excitement to play drums and that's how i need to come out to a stage to greet people and tell them how great our instrument is i don't want to come out and be like uh what does it matter we all suck (laughs) anyways here's some exercises to make you feel bad about yourself because i can rip them and you can't that's my vibe (laughs) what are we doing here why are we here (laughs) Uh, welcome to the east coast whatever go home no one cares (laughs) oh god nick nick's hurt carson's hurt everyone's hurt who gives a crap Super Bowl champs, 0-16 this season. I'm out. Um, so anyways, uh, yeah, so so that's um, – I think that's the key. Now, do you listen to music when you're backstage? Are you with a metronome? What's what's going through it, your ears? Um, you know, usually on the way to the gig is when I try to get musically in the right spot. So it just depends okay. on the gig. If it's if it's a, something that's more creative, I'll listen to some of my favorite jazz records. If it's something that needs me to play a role and be real solid, I'll listen to you know, Jeff Percaro or someone of that ilk where it just gets me in the, yeah. the mindset of that's my job and I got to do that type of thing. Yeah. Once man. I get actually t- ready to start warming up, it's 100% me and a metronome and a practice pad and that's it. Nothing else. I'm nice, not, I'm not nice. playing along the music. I don't want anything to be distracting. I want to be able to tunnel vision on what I need to do. And then once I get through that is like the relief, the mental relief. Like, okay, I know I can play my single strokes at the same tempo that I can play them at yesterday. I know I can play these, these timing exercises with the same accuracy that I could yesterday. There's no reason for me to fail. (laughs) There's absolutely no no reason that I shouldn't be able to play just as well as I played yesterday. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. So let me ask you this. When it comes to the gear that you're warming up with, first of all, do you bring a full-blown setup like a pedal pad and a snare stand and a pad, or is it just a pad? And then the second part to that question is, do you care what the pad is? Do you want a bouncy pad? Do you want a soft pad? What are you going for? That's a good question. Actually, I'd, more often than not, I don't even have a pad. I'm I'm using just sticks on my what thighs. There. Yeah. Yep. And that yeah. that has also been a consistency where I don't have to... 
I can still do my warm up and not have a perfect situation. Give me a pair of sticks and my phone, and I've got a metronome app, and I can warm up. If I had to have my Steve Gadd signature pad, which is what I use in my office every <laughs> single day, if I had to carry that around with me, I think it would create more anxiety for me to be like, where's oh my, my pad? God, where's, where's my, my pad? pad? I can't do my warm ups. Yeah. I don't have my Dr. Beat metronome. It's not going to be the same Ooh. thing. So right. that I kind of leave a little bit more yeah. reckless. Where, you know what's fun about that? Because I'm the same way. And uh, it, honestly, I always have the best intentions of taking a pad with me. And then my luggage is so full. I'm like, I can't I can't squeeze a freaking 14-inch pad in yeah, there. Like, there's nowhere to put it. Or 12-inch <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. And I, and, and I always have the out of, like, there will be pillows in the hotel room. I'll be fine. But, you know, one thing that I do like about that is when I get to a dressing room or a green room of any sort – it's kind of fun to see like what's going to be the pad today that also will not be destroyed when I leave. I'm very cautious about uh, that. Like, I don't want it to be this really expensive black leather chair that when I leave has a thousand <laughs> little white scuff marks from where I was ripping chops on it. So um, yeah, that's why yeah, I just and play then, like, on my thighs, and, and it's exactly my jeans are all need to be replaced anyway. So if they, if they wear yeah. a hole, then it's no big deal. <laughs> and the side of your shoe is like. Any of those real feel pads. I mean, it's just, yeah. you know, it's bouncy yeah. rubber. So you have a little bit of everything. Cool. All right. Well, let's talk about somebody that must have some serious pre show warm up stuff. And that is the drummer for Bruno Mars, Mr. Eric Hernandez. Uh, do you know Eric? I don't. Never met him. Um, mm. I would like to. He seems like a really nice guy and really he truly awesome, is. awesome career path. I mean, he, he's on the cover of the October issue again. We're, we're talking about that. Some of you probably have it, some of you will be getting it soon. But. Uh, he's on the cover, and the whole issue is dedicated to the to, to the art of playing live drums. So he is Bruno Mars's live drummer, and he's also his brother. Uh, I believe he's his older brother, so he's supporting his younger brother's superstardom, which is an interesting dynamic. Oof. Uh, um, I, I, yeah, I can only imagine. And he was a, uh, I believe he was an LAPD officer before what Bruno's career took off. Yeah, wow, pretty that's crazy. Right? So he had a career Eric. as a cop. So yeah, here it says in the intro, after serving in the LAPD from 2002 to 2007, he revived his drumming career and joined his brother. Wow. Interesting. Well, you know what? I mean, I would assume that being a cop and going through you know, the, the rigors of it, of what it takes to become a police officer, I would assume that actually served him really well to play not only for his brother, but just a superstar in general, because you have to follow orders. You have to do your job. You don't get to be like, check out the art that I'm bringing to this song today. <laughs> yeah. You know, you have a, yeah. a job Where to do. Where are my and green M&Ms? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that I think that makes a lot of sense because he's, he's been that guy since day one of just holding down the gig, man, and doing his job. And, and the guy can play, you know. Uh, I spent some time with him shortly uh, we did a what was it for was it i think it was for dw hardware and uh we did a shoot it was myself uh steven perkins and eric and uh and that's the only time i've ever really spent like quality time with him and man talk about zero ego zero superstar zero entourage that's just cool. yeah. showed up as the you know Unless you knew he was Bruno's drummer, you wouldn't know he was Bruno's drummer. You're, you know, he would never be. All the talks we had were about family and life and, 
the pursuit of just general happiness. It was never about anything else. Um, not to mention that was my first time getting to hang with Stephen Perkins and another amazing human being, just a yeah. kind soul. So it was a lot of fun. But yeah, I mean, Eric was incredible. And then I really hadn't seen much of him play drum set. And then uh, uh, and I was researching him today and there were a bunch of Bruno links, but it was just drum cam stuff. The guy is just a killer pop drummer. Yeah, I mean, he, he's playing, he's laying it down. And those yeah. songs, I've had to learn a few of those songs for wedding bands and stuff. And when you're just listening to them as a, as a fan, you're like, ah, oh, it's, it's a pop song. It sounds sort of like Michael Jackson or right. Bill Bib DeVoe or something. But there's always something in the arrangement that you're like, dang, that's I can't just fake through that. <laughs> there's yeah, something yeah. going on. That's one thing that I really love about his stuff is, uh, or in Bruno's stuff, but what you have to play on the drums is they are arrangements. It's not yeah. going to be verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, out. Even if it's arranged like that, there's all these little breaks. It's It's got a little bit of that uh, old 70s and, and early 80s funk thing where yeah. there's hits. You know, it's got they've got stabs that you have to hit. Um, I was listening to 24 Karat today, and, and it was like, you can't play through that. You better yeah. know where those stops <laughs> right, are. Right, exactly. Um <laughs> And so, yeah, so it, it's it's really cool stuff. And I think he's just a fantastic brand ambassador as well for all of his companies of like, man, I just do my job. I don't need all the Instagram chop views. I just hold it down. So Yeah, he's um, got a cool kit too. They, Did you look at his setup? Uh, I mean, I've seen it. F- a f- yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite the big setup. Um, yeah, it's kind of like the, I mean... I'm sure it, all this stuff has a purpose for playing the different genres in Bruno's set, but it feels to me like the old Michael Jackson vibe, like have a big kit, man, have all the things you need up there and just, just go to town. And I would assume that in that gig, he actually does need all that stuff. Um, it reminds me a lot of just professional pop touring drummers kits. Like that's, um, who's our guy from Brendan, uh, Brendan Buckley Mm -hmm. reminds me of Brendan's kit. It just has that vibe of like, well, I'm going to need multiple toms. I'm going to need splashes, crashes, chinas. I'm going to need electric, you know, tri- yeah. I'm gonna be triggering stuff. I'm gonna be sampling stuff. So it's it's kind of if you're gonna be a, if if you're into being a touring pop drummer, you should probably check out um, you know his his kit tours on online because that's a that's kind of the requirement nowadays. The one thing that I think is noticeably absent is there's no double pedal. So he's not Thank doing the, the end of song <laughs> mandatory wall of barrage of double bass. <laughs> Good job, E Panda. <laughs> we got to stick together. <laughs> now that's, I'm actually that's considering cool. getting in back in the double bass. I'm going to say, yeah, I think I'm going to dedicate some time next year to just be annoying with double bass. We'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> cool. uh, yeah, man, it'll be. Uh, I, I think I don't think you'll be annoying with it. I think you'll be quite tasteful with it. Um, <laughs> I'll be happy to let you know. Like, if I send you a text that just says, no more digga digga, <laughs> I'm well, good with a little and, and some tasteful things. I've got to wear out all of my Bozio Portnoy peart licks. I've got to do it, yes. and then I can move on to trying to actually do something tasteful, and then I'll realize why I stopped doing it, and I'll never do it again. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Love it. I love it. So, yeah, if you guys want to check out more stuff from Eric Hernandez, you can obviously just find him on YouTube. That's going to be your best place. And there's, I think you'll get a lot. Obviously, you could just watch a Bruno Mars concert, but I think you'll get a lot out of the drum cam footage because you really get to see what's going on. And in those situations, 
I think that's when you go, oh, wow, I really, just like Mike said, I really took this for granted that this was just a basic pop tune. But when you see it from the drummer's perspective and you see like how many times that groove that felt like it went through the whole song, how many hundreds of times it stops yeah. and there's a hit and there's a punch <laughs> and there's a kick, it's like, oh my gosh, um, could you fill in that drum chair tomorrow? And I'm going to tell you, the answer is probably no. Like you'd have to really learn. Each song would, it, it's, it's pretty incredible actually. Yeah, it I'm feels very orchestrated almost like a theater production like you have to play the play the tunes exactly right or the whole thing could just collapse on itself well not to mention i mean bruno mars isn't just out there sitting on a stool singing i mean this is a full production with Mm. dancers that and they dance to those hits and every and the lights go to those hits like you like you said you can't just jam through it so definitely check out eric hernandez uh he's amazing and you can check him out on the cover of modern drummer this month Dig it. So it's time to thank our sponsor, Dream Symbols. Um, Kent Aberlay actually put up a video on the Dream website that talks about his entire pre-gig routine. And it's pretty interesting. So if you go to dreamsymbols.com backslash lessons, you'll see the most recent one is by Kent. And he takes a whole other approach where he's doing more sort of calisthenics slash moving meditation stuff to get him warmed up. Nice. Starting with you know metronome and just moving his arms with the metronome and then getting the sticks involved and playing doubles and it's a pretty cool approach and it's extensive. It's a 17 minute lesson on his entire warm up routine. So check it out and thanks Dream for sponsoring the episode. Fantastic. All right, now let's get into some candy. This is a company that you and I are both familiar with. Um, Jefferson sent me a snare drum a while ago, and then he sent you 46 snare drums. Appreciate that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So I don't know if you guys remember, but we did a thing a while back on Sugar Percussion where Mike played through same diameter, but like five or six different depths of drums, right? We started with a 14 by 2 or 2 by 14. Yeah, it was like um, two inches deep up through a twelve by fourteen. I believe was the deepest one. Yeah, and uh, and we, you know, really obviously we were using high end snare drums for that, but we learned a lot about our misconceptions about sensitivity and whatnot. Yep. And I feel like this kit kind of brings us back to that because I was telling you before the show started, I'm not a huge fan of stave drums, but my experience with stave drums is very limited, and it's only been snare drums. Mm-hmm. And so to see a full stave kit. When I opened up the video that you sent me that you guys are going to hear some from in just a bit, I was kind of like, it's a beautiful (laughs) kit, but I don't want to I don't really care. And then all of a sudden it was nothing like what I had envisioned in my mind and it sounded just gorgeous. So, yeah. So what exactly is this kit? So just like the snares that we reviewed a few months back, these are mahogany shells. Um, and they're all made from one tree. So all the timber comes from the same tree, which is important. Um, especially if you're, I mean, just the consistency of the type of timbre you're going to get out of it. Um, so we got a snare drum, two toms, and a bass drum, all from the same tree, uh, which I think made the whole kit sound really cohesive. Like it, from top to bottom, it just felt like everything was perfectly aligned. Um, so it is a, it's a shallow bass drum. It's only 13 inches deep, but it's 18 inches wide. The rack tom is also shallow. It's 7 inches deep. It's a 12. The floor tom is a 13 inches deep by 14. And the snare was a deeper 6 by 14. Um, okay, so this is this is probably where your preconceived ideas of stave versus what Jefferson is doing with his kit, uh, they conflict because he is doing thinner 
shells. So the the staves go from uh, being three eighths of three eighths of an inch thick on the rock tom. The kick drum is a half inch thick. Even that half inch thick is thinner than probably most of the stave drums that you've encountered. And think in the in the past, stave has always been thought of as this huge, thick, powerful, chunky, hollowed out log of a drum. Yeah, which makes it have a certain sound, which in most of our experience is going to be loud. It's all about projection. Exactly. The thinner the shell, and that's why the, the tone. I, I, when I saw this kit, I was like, wow, a stave kit in bop sizes, this is going to be, you know, I just don't know what it's going to be. And I also don't know, I think there has to be something said for the fact that you're not stressing out the wood because with stave drums, mm-hmm. there's no bend like a steam bent shell right. or, or even applied shells. So I really didn't know what this was going to do. But when you cranked it up, and it's not like, I think in your first tuning, it's not full-blown crazy bebop jazz because you seem to have like a nice mellow bass drum sound yeah but it yeah. was like the toms are it was more high. yeah the toms are high decent i mean four and 18 kind of a mellow bass drum and then you don't have the snare pinging um but i i thought like wow this is just a musical drum set yeah it, it was i could tell like you didn't want to get out of the ride world I mean, you wanted to get out of the ride world so you could get back to the drums. Every time you'd play some groove, you'd be like, and back to the drums. And I know you're doing a drum review, but I just know you're playing too. And I could just tell you were enjoying playing this kit. Yeah, the bass drum was surprisingly fluffy no matter how I tuned it. So it just felt really satisfying. It just had that puffy, just awesome bass drum sound. The toms had, if I think of like, what is the best jazz tom sound it's this kind of like punchy compressed high but not brittle sound and these were like right there immediately i felt like they had a compressor on them in a good way like it just there was a nice attack but the tone was like right there it wasn't super bright so it was it was a very satisfying drum set to play i don't know that that always translates to recordings because there's there's certain intangibles in the tone which i think is that like Normally with a ply shell drum, I might have to do a little bit more compression to bring up the tone of the shell. These, right. I mean, I think I just turned the mics on. There's probably very, very little processing on it. So they just sounded correct right out of the box. Well, let's give them a listen.
So that's that's like a I would say that was like medium high to medium low overall. I didn't go super high. I didn't go super duper low. Right. Yeah, no, I, I think you're, the lower tuning is almost what I would want for my normal tuning, but they were still just singing at that, at yeah. that yeah, range. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't oh, flap no. out. Even, even when I went lower than that, they still had tone. Uh, it was pretty impressive. I think for me, stave drums offer an extra level of snap that you don't get okay. from ply shell drums. And also just like a, again, it's a compressed quality in the sound where sometimes I think ply drums that they get kind of hollow or thin and, and the sound just kind of goes everywhere with Stave right. I feel like it just it's right here it stays right it stays <laughs> is that it a stays in Stave. it stays in this it's like stays within the drum contained in a good yeah. way it makes it just sound more no, powerful that makes sense. and fuller I like it I think it's really cool these are and That's, these are these drums are made you have to check out the photos the dude, the dude knows how to make yeah. some drums. Every last detail. The fact that he integrated the bass drum spur uh, claws within the hoop. It's just a nice detail that I would have overlooked if I didn't really spend some time with the kit. Right. Like there's no I extra, think every, there's no extra hardware anywhere. Is pretty crazy. Um, Jefferson yeah. definitely knows what he's doing, and uh, and he's part of that. You know, crew of of boutique companies that are not so boutique anymore. They're sticking around. Yep. They're innovating. People are having to chase them, and it's it's a really cool thing. I mean, this is definitely something where this is an expensive drum set. This is a high end, pro level, handmade drum set. But I think, at least from my point of view as a customer, I would feel good buying it, knowing they will be around a decade from now. Um, yeah, and, and as, you can, as much you as you can, can feel help, you know? confident that. Jefferson, knowing him, he would never put a drum out there that he doesn't feel a hundred percent, or in his case, ninety nine percent satisfied with. He's he's right. so so obsessive about the detail of it that, and you can I can feel it, you can see it, you can hear it. I felt like these were cream of the crop, high end drums. They're not a custom shop, which I think is also cool. It's not like you can say, hey, do do something crazy for me. He makes just right. really awesome drums at a really high level. Um, awesome. So, yeah. It's one of my favorite kits well, can, I've ever played, for sure. Guaranteed. Wow. That's high praise. Well, check yeah. out um, sugarpercussion.com and definitely follow Sugar Percussion and Jefferson on Instagram because he's always putting up stuff that's really cool about him making drums and showing you part of the process. And I, I feel like... He's giving you a little bit of an inside look at some of the things that we always wonder, like, oh, I wonder what's happening there. How are they doing this? How are they doing this? He'll, he'll show you a lot of stuff. And did you see that he had like a little bit of a boot camp where people were making yeah. drums with him? That I, was great, yeah, man. I was, I've been talking to him about that, and I, I think he's going to continue it, make it a regular thing. So you can fly out to his shop, and he will guide you through, and you will leave there after three days with a snare I drum think, that you made. <laughs> I think our boy Buck cool. was there. Yeah, he went. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there'll be more. If I find out more details, I'll I'll share them. But I have a feeling that he'll probably, as soon as he announces it, it'll get booked up and he won't be able to add that's any more awesome. people. But yeah, it's, that's a pretty cool experience. I don't know many many craftsmen who would show you every last detail of what they do. <laughs> yeah. Know? No, it's it's really cool. I know that Ron does the same thing sometimes. and uh, But to see Jefferson doing it was really cool because it's such, you know, the stave thing is such its, its own little unique world so all right everyone check out sugar percussion now it's time to get to some questions okay our first question is from tom 
My band plays a mixture of all genres, but mostly it's bouncy house music with four on the floor, off feet hi hats, um, and a few extra sixteenths here and there. And I feel like my hi hat sound is letting me down. I currently play fourteen inch K's, which sound great when playing tracks like Mr. Brightside, but they sound a bit too dark for a track like We Found Love by Calvin Harris. Is it my (laughs) playing? No. Um, or shall I invest in 13s or something brighter? Also, are X-Hats something you guys have ever incorporated into your setup? I think the end of his question is the answer. Yes. Right? Was that what you were going to say, too? Did I just jump the gun Absolutely. On? No, no, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think you need two hi-hats. If the Ks yeah. sound great for some stuff and not for others, then you need to get yourself some 13s or 12s that are brighter. Yeah. I mean, especially if you're playing multiple styles. Like, I, I wouldn't do that for me personally because I'm either going to be playing a very specific sound or I'll just change my entire sound. But if I'm playing a gig that's going to alternate between, you know, playing uh, – uh, what's Michael Miley's band? Uh, Rival Sons. If I'm going from Rival Sons straight into Bruno Mars, then yeah, I'll have some big sloshy 15s or 16s. And then on X hats, I'd have some really crystal clear hats to play the pop stuff. Yep, exactly. So yeah, get, so, yeah. get yourself an extra pair. All right, next one is from, in, I don't know about a remote. Would you use a remote or just an X hat? I would just use an X hat. I would just use an X hat. And honestly, you can, if you need the opens, you know, the sl- if you need the slosh, the 16s are going to be awesome for that. You really only need those 13s or those brighter symbols for the closed stuff anyways. Yeah, the, um, the electronic-sounding stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And you can open the hi-hat with your left hand on your 16s and get more texture. All right, the next one is from Jerry. A quick question about something I've been pondering for a while. What exactly is the benefit of arm strength for drumming? I know it will increase stamina, but I'm specifically curious as to whether there's a relationship between arm strength and speed. Um, I know a lot of drummers work out and have and include weights to tone their arms and chest, but I'm curious of what specific benefits having better toned arm muscles provide for drumming, if it's more than just stamina. And this is Jerry. He's a professor of geology. Nice. Well, Jerry, uh, I, I, I can only judge based off of the drummers that I know that don't have defined arms and they're doing just fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I mean, I just, I just have a lot of friends that love, love high caloric food. And <laughs> they are much faster than I am. <laughs> they, they are in that. So, uh, how 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 politically correct was that? Did I crush it? I felt- no, I'm, I was actually thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. And and so yeah, so I I think there's drum shape and then there's physical fitness shape, which are just very different things. And I've seen plenty of people that are ripped and look like they spend their whole lives at the gym and they can't play singles faster than seventy BPM because they're not in drum shape. So. I really don't find it to be that important, but I also at the same time think it's very important just to be in decent physical shape so you can live a long life and play drums for the rest of your life and not get injured. Yeah, I haven't found that there's any any musical benefit other than you you won't break down. Your 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 body exactly. won't break down over time as easily. You won't get as much pain, shoulder pain, back pain. Um, I've found that I'm able to play harder, longer now that I have better grip strength. I don't know that it's my arm strength. I think my because I, I'm doing pull ups, my grip strength is better. That has allowed me to hold the sticks longer without tiring out. 
Yeah, um, yeah. But, I uh, mean, really think about what tires out on you when you're playing. There's that weird little muscle between your index finger and your thumb that mm-hmm. gets like kind of that whatever the hell that little thing is that all of us have overdeveloped as drummers. And then really your shoulders, if you're stuck in maybe a you know riding on the crash position for an entire song. So there's definitely some stamina exercises like jump rope that'll do a great job for you. But and and like Mike said, pull ups or anything that involves uh, a barbell and getting your your grip strength better. But but yeah, I've I've definitely never noticed like oh man, good arms, bro. And I mean, then like oh. Maybe it's just the, it. the visual of it, but when I see a really beefed out drummer, I immediately think that they don't sound as good as I as totally they could. agree. That's so funny. <laughs> That's actually like part of like my journey right now into fitness has been like I have to tell my coach, hey, no, 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 we're good where we are. I go two more steps, and all of a sudden I sound stiff, and I don't know how. To, I don't have feel, and there's no touch. You have to be a little, a little loose in the cage to, uh, to have that, you know. <laughs> That greasiness. So, all right, let's move on before we insult anybody. All right, so I'm going to send you um, an audio question I forgot to send you. So it'll be your your email. Hey, guys, this is Ernie Learn from Sacramento, California. And first off, I just want to say not only am I a huge fan of the show, but I'm also a really big fan of both of you individually as players. And I just want to thank you for everything you've done for the drum community and for me as a drummer. My question is about the Key of Destiny bet. I just want to know when the bet is actually over and what's the wager, you know, what's on the line. I heard some talk of a, a solo and a certain style, but I'm not sure if that's the actual final bet. So what's up with that? So here we are. <laughs> First of all, thank you for the kind words, Ernie. Appreciate it. Uh, Ernie's a fantastic drummer. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, he's been to camp and just a good dude. So, okay, the key of destiny. First of all, I still have it. All uh, right, and there might be a clutch of destiny too. Talk what? about that later. What? what? <laughs> just saying, might have been a gift from another camper, but we'll talk about it later. But for now, the key of destiny. It has been to China. It's been to Taiwan, Thailand, Indonesia, Ireland. It's going to England with me. I still have it. Do you remember what the bet was? <sighs> I believe whoever wins was going to buy the other one dinner. <laughs> oh. See, it felt more like whoever wins buys the other one their dream snare drum. And I'm only saying that because I still have the key. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to win this bet. Um, I've been obsessive with that key. Now, the good thing for you is that the key now has very distinct scratches, so I cannot replace the key and fake you out. Um, okay. So the key has some some uh, some dings on it. All and right. I, so, so the key is there. I think the bet was if you don't lose it, I have to play a solo of in the genre of your choice. And if you do yes. lose it, you have to play a solo in the genre of my choice. Yeah, I think it was... I, I remember there was double bass involved in mine. Um, Hence why I'm I, already greasing up the pedals. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think... And I think you said I had to get through camp season, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So I'm on... I'm in the middle of my seventh camp right now. And then no, got, we said we said end of August. We're at the end. Oh, yeah. so I made it. Yeah, I you. win. <laughs> oh, my God. 
Now, have you ever soloed? Actually, you would love it. Now, I was going to say, have you ever soloed over monks chanting? But then I realized that would be your dream. Yeah, that would be. I'd do that all day long. Let's bring it on. I know you would. <laughs> uh, well, these monks are highly rhythmic. <laughs> these are very experienced monks. I'll figure something out. So I, I believe uh, tomorrow Mike will have lost the bet. So the key of destiny bet right, has been so won. We'll, we'll discuss the ramifications yes. maybe next week. Yes. And right. trust me, you will be playing hot rods through the whole thing. <laughs> I'm used to that now. I have to use those when I sub for Carter like half of the show. It's it's okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's all good. It's all good. All right. Any other questions? Yeah, I got one more audio one. Let's I'm gonna send this over. Hi Mike and Mike. This is Karen Ruggiero. And I have a little confession to make. Um I was able to steal the key of destiny. Mike, you may have noticed that the key of destiny is a little bit darker than it was originally, and I was able to swap it out back in July during the advance camp. And I just want to let you know, it it wasn't all me that was involved here. Yeah, hi, it's Ernie again. Uh, it was actually my idea. I asked Karen if she wanted to do it at her camp at the end of July, and she said, yeah. And I also contacted Mike Dawson to see what he thought. And he was all for it because he thought it was hilarious. So we bought a duplicate key and just waited for the right time. It took a lot of guts and almost everything I had inside of me, but I did it. I swapped it out. I have the original tucked away in a safe place. So I will return it back to you just as soon as I can. And now you have two keys of destiny. Which is the least we can do. In July? <laughs> Wait, you were a part of this? <laughs> Oh, my God. I hate your face off, Dawson. Uh, July? What? That's not possible. No. I, I don't condone this activity, but they did say they were going to do it. It seems like you do. Uh, so the key of destiny that I have with the scratches on it has been masquerading as the key of destiny? It's a phony. You got a phony. You got a phony key. Your your destiny is a fake. <laughs> Mother of pearl. Ah, I've been hornswoggled. So yeah, I've been tillamooked. I don't know what that means. Hmm. It's a trick. I don't know. I mean, the drum key was there. It was always there. It's just a slightly different drum key. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I think it means? I think it means that we need to play a duet together. Yes, and exactly. Put this thing Get to it bed. Over with. <laughs> yes, we'll put this thing to bed. Uh, wow, I'm looking at it right now. I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little upset. <laughs> That's so funny. So what you guys don't know is, as we're playing these clips that Mike is clearly in on. I'm going like, oh, that's funny that it's Ernie and Karen back to back because Karen and Ernie jam together and they're all students of mine. And then all of a sudden I'm like, Karen's audio sounds a lot like Ernie's audio. They must be using the same microphone. Oh my God, I've been hornswoggled. Uh, uh, just a friendly hmm. note. <clears throat> now, I did hmm. not create this. I would not have sabotaged our bet. But Ernie did hmm. send me a message and said, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Are you cool with it? I'm like... Hey, go for it. It'll be funny. <laughs> It'll be funny. <laughs> It'll be funny three months from now. Well, here's your payoff, kids. Laugh it up. <laughs> Woo! What Man, I love bamboozled. about it. What I love about it is you just went on about how the key of destiny has all these battle scars of traveling around mm -hmm. the yeah. world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this one does. 
I, I guess the original key of destiny is pristine as all hell. Uh, that's it. That's it. I am done. I'm a fish. Oh, I cannot wait for either one of them to sign up for camp next year. They will have their own special curriculum that will involve everything in 11.8. Better start practicing, kids. Oh, man. Okay. So we will do, right. a, do it as a, as a peace offering. <laughs> Ah, uh, well, good job, everybody. I, uh, so Chris Hancock was able to actually steal it and yep. get it into pictures uh, when he was here at camp. And Karen and Ernie pulled a full-on fast one on me. Son of a gun. <laughs> well, hey, Ernie and Karen, I want my freaking key back. <laughs> now, there's, now the key of destiny has a little brother. And I'm not giving you this one back because this one's been all over the world with me. I think it has. When was I in China? July, probably. So, I don't know. Well, it's whenever Karen was at camp, so that's when it got swapped. Okay, well, I can tell you right now that nothing is real anymore. I feel like I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the Matrix. Like, what is real? Which key made it? Which key was under my pillow in China? That's what I want to know. <laughs> uh, I don't know how many people are listening. They're like, get over it already. <laughs> yeah, no, on. no, we won't. I put a lot of emotional attachment on little tiny things. It's an heirloom. All right. Everyone, keep sending in your questions to MD Info at Modern Drummer Who Gives a Crap. And we will keep getting to them. And Karen and Ernie are now banned from Mike'sLessons.com. It's time for Picks of the Week. Here's my pick of the week. No, okay. The real, okay. All good. All good. I let it go now. Uh, so my pick of the week is very simple. Uh, we actually talked about it in the intro, the intro groove, which is uh, our bottom sounding drummer had coated heads top and bottom. And that is my pick of the week. If you haven't tried coated heads on the bottom, definitely give it a go. Stick with single ply, single ply coated uh, from Aquarian. That it's literally called a single ply texture coated. Remo would be an ambassador coated. Evans would be what a G one, I guess yep. coated. G one. I mean, they have a and couple. So, There's a UV one, but yeah, the G one would be right. the generic, basic single ply coated. Yeah, it'll just warm up the sound a little bit, and it'll give you uh, maybe some new. It, it might even be fifty or sixty percent mental, but it'll give you a new vibe on your kit, and I think you'll really enjoy it. Sweet. My pick of the week, I've um, rediscovered one of my favorite recordings by one of my all-time favorite drummers. I've had some people ask me recently who inspired me to dig into this electronic hybrid live drumming with loops and stuff. Mm. Yeah. It was kind of hard to pinpoint because I've always been in curious about drum machines and all that stuff from the very beginning. But there were a few things in the past 10 years that when I heard it, I'm like, that's what I want to do. And it's Joey Wonker, great session drummer he's been beck's drummer forever he's most recently been playing with roger waters uh but in a, i think it was in the same year he was on two records one uh, adams for peace which has flea and tom york from radiohead and uh, a couple other guys and this band called ultra ista which is uh the producer from radiohead and this female singer keyboard player it's killer joey is controlling well the whole band is wired into an ableton live session so they're they're all kind of able to add loops and effects and stuff in real time while they're while they're playing uh live music but joey's playing with this is some of my favorites so it's hard to you can't really tell what he's doing on the record but if you watch the video it's very much him doing this afro beat with his 
classic super light touch. Um, it's fantastic. So I found a video. It's called Bad Insect Live on KCRW. If you want to see him play, uh, we'll drop in some audio from that uh, at the end. But also check out the record. They only have one record. The whole thing is just really, if you're into trip hop and electronic experimental alternative music, it's one of the best. And I don't think enough people have heard it. So Ultra Ista, which is U-L- U-L-T-R-A-I-S-T-A. So here it is. There's a clip from Bad Insect. Closer is... Oh, it's Michael Albrecht again. He's, he's yeah. a co-author of one of Modern Drummer's books. He, he co-wrote Fundamentals of Drumming for Kids with Rich Redman. And he did something that's all electronic. I thought it was appropriate. He's using an Alesis Sample Pad Pro uh, and another Alesis Sample Pad and some stuff in GarageBand. So this is an all-electronic outro beat. That's it. Episode 156. This might be the end of the Modern Drummer podcast. What's like? <laughs> <laughs> to Karen and Ernie, kudos to you. That was well done, well played, and Mike and I will pay it off with a solo together. <laughs> All right, so see you next time. Later, buddy.